Welcome to Multidimensional Mom, the podcast. I'm Stephanie Downey. And I'm Sarah Malloy. And if you're lost in the midst of momming or just the wild chaos of everyday life, we're here to help. Anything from momming to the mystical, we've got you covered. Come along as my real-life bestie and I explore all the different things about mom life, midlife, and the great beyond as we celebrate the elements that make us unique as moms and as women. Because you're multidimensional and we are too. We're going to discover our magic and help you embrace your own. Hello, welcome back. Welcome, welcome. Hello. I have my Sarah with me today, which is crazy, right next to me live in person. (laughs) I'm breathing on you and everything. Yeah, we've got Mando between us. It's just a happy family. That's right. And we have our special guest on Zoom, and ah, let's introduce her. Let's do that. Go, go ahead. I was going to say the return. She's a return. I'm very excited. We got to say it. it when they're a return. That's a big I deal around it's here. So exciting. Okay, everyone knows that Disneyland is full of magic, but did you know that it's full of mysticism too? From numerology and tarot to apparitions and hidden haunts from the other side, Pam Turlow has tuned us in to the spiritual messages found in the happiest place on earth, so we can discover the Disneyland we never imagined. Pam Turlow is a professional certified tarot reader, actor, astrologer, and author, as well, as we said, a return guest for us, and she offers tarot, astrology, and practical witch work, which you can find all on her new website, midcenturymystic.com. So go check that out, and Pam, welcome back to our show. Yay! I'm so glad to be back. We are glad to have you. How is it going? This is all the fun. I'm good. I'm doing really well. I had a super weekend this past weekend. I went out near Detroit to Convocation, which is essentially, if you know Bewitched, it's like, you know, the Cosmos Cotillion or the Witches (laughs) Council. It's a witch convention. How fun. uh, Essentially. Um, Lots of different seekers from all sorts of different belief systems convocate they go to the convocation it's been going on for many many years i've only been going for the last few years uh it was just marvelous and as a tarot professional i got to um take part in a couple lectures and rituals with mary Kay greer who literally wrote the book i was gonna and, say that's a familiar name yes. yeah yes. on the tarot there's a book called tarot for yourself which is fabulous. And she wrote that. Um, and it was just this tremendous honor um, to be in her presence and and to learn yeah. even more about the craft. So, well, we wanted to do a Disneyland episode for Sarah, of course, and also because of your amazing book. And we thought we would talk about it today, The Mystical Mouse, and throw this episode out there just before most people go on a little bit of a spring break. So we thought it was a cool time to talk about it. Absolutely. Excellent timing. And um, and as I'm going through various things regarding it, Miss Sarah, if you want to pipe up, you feel just fine to do that, knowing Disney <laughs> as well as you do as well. I know a couple things. <laughs> you know, know a couple you. things. Here and there, sure. Not sure, to sure, brag. Sure. Just, yes. I know people can see it. The those, hair flip. Mm, yeah. The hair flip. <laughs> you know, Sarah, as, as well as she knows Disney. That's right. Yeah. Disney. But you know it too. And yes. you know, I mean, 
one of the beautiful things about you and your love of Disney and mine as well is that we appreciate it on many, many, many levels. You know, there's a very big historical aspect that is very important to big Disney fans like us. And so Disneyland is sort of a sort of a mecca, I guess you could say for folks like us. But getting into some of that history, let's just start at the beginning Uh, who started it all, Walt Disney. And people say that he was something of a mystic himself. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I will begin it by saying it's not entirely substantiated, but there's enough people that have said, oh, yes, he did this and we saw him in these places. And so this is how Mm -hmm. it comes together. When his company was going through some troubles and, and he was sort of having a dark night of the soul, he took a big trip to Europe. He and Lily went out to Europe and they visited many of the main cities. And what he was collecting while he was there were books. And so many of them were European folk tales, also books on mysticism. He was very drawn to these subjects. And Mm -hmm. we see those subjects as the main storylines of things like Snow White, Pinocchio. He availed himself to this. He he just, he wrapped himself in these things. Sure. And then we start to hear that he was actually a 33rd degree Freemason. Okay. But there's okay. no particular way to substantiate right. that. Right, okay? right. Yeah. But some people were like, we saw him like in the back of the right. hall watching things we saw but i mean there's no particular and i mean i research yeah. there's no particular particular books that say and level 33 well disney right that there's no ledger exist. that he like signed in on at the meeting or anything like that <laughs> exactly okay but there's so many bits of mysticism in the various rituals regarding freemasonry that correlate with things that are found in the stories and most particular Pinocchio. Sure. Yes. Um, Carlo Collodi, who wrote the original book, was a Freemason. Okay. It's there's just so many levels and layers here. And I'm like, well, that's just really plum interesting. Yeah. Let me see if there are practical ways that perhaps his his belief systems and all of the information that had been gleaned through all the books that he collected. Eh, Mm. Let's see if we can find these things in the park, like actual, actual physical things that in some way would lend credence to these beliefs that, you know, he's the 33rd level Mason, blah, 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 this and that. Sure. Well, and 33, obviously the number 33 for anybody that knows Disneyland, there's a very particular, very exclusive club, 33, that you can find in New Orleans Square. And the waiting list is how many years and how many people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can't get in there. She's been in there. Right. She's been there. But that's because you knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy Exactly. And that's like the only way you can do it. And I think they're even starting to crack down on that stuff, which is kind of a bummer. But anyway, lending right. lending some of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a possibility there. That's fascinating. Yeah. You mentioned too, just in talking about some of this imagery 
some of this physical evidence of the Freemasonry yep. and some of these belief systems and all of that too. Because in the book, obviously, you're exploring the more magical, spelled with a CK for our listeners. Well, can we magical. talk about that for a second? This really, as an English teacher, it annoys me when people <laughs> spell things wrong on purpose. However, like why on mystical, you don't do a CK, but magical. So can you tell me why people do that? As far as I have heard... That's basically something that's come into usage maybe in the last decade or two to differentiate okay. magic, like, you know, Doug Henning, magic. Right. <laughs> Let me press, you know, pull this out of my sleeve, magic. Here comes the rabbit. Illusion. Yeah. The yeah. Magical realms and right. what uh, practitioners use. Okay. I see. Right. Yeah. So I know at first I was just like, Hmm, why'd you go and do that? Yeah. Why do we spell things wrong for fun? Yes. Okay. (laughs) But there is a, yes. But the fact that it is by design, there's a reason for it. So, so when you're exploring that real magic, you explore some of that in the book. Well, I guess, first of all, twofold, what inspired you to write the book? Why explore Disneyland in this way? And then second of all, from what you understand, those magical elements that you explore in the book, is that by design? Is that by happenstance? So before I wrote this book, I wrote a book called The Cotton Candy Road Trip. I was sort of called, inspired to write that book because I had seen so many older amusement parks become Costco's. Sure. Uh-huh. You know, sure. like our local Kitty Land. Yeah, I was going to reference Kitty Land. Yeah. Right. And when I was traveling to these various parks, I felt a different energy in each one, not just because of the size or, you know, there's a coaster that greets you at the front as opposed to a gentle water ride, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm clairsentient. So I will pick things up. That's my Claire. Yes. Um, So I will pick energies up very, very clearly and distinctly. In each park I went to, I felt a specific kind of energy, almost a soul that each park had the spirit of place is what I called it. And that's what led me from park to park to park. And each one would be different. And it was just so clear. And I thought to myself, Disneyland is different. Disneyland is so, that sort of spirit of place energy is so condensed. And maybe it's by, maybe it's by design that, you know, you enter under the berm and you're welcome to, you know, you leave today behind and the worlds of, and you're brought into that, for me, a very spiritual realm. So possibly some of it is by design. Mm -hmm. Some of it could be by happenstance because amusement parks are places that just absorb so many high and low energies extreme energies frenetic you know you, yeah. have your, yeah. you, you know i mean people get engaged in them people break up in them i've seen both <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's just it's just high energy left and right the spirit of place is so strong in amusement parks but extremely strong in disneyland sure so then i started looking around and i first of all thought okay Walt Disney started the concept of having an amusement park with a hub in the middle with little roads or spokes that go out to the different lands or parts of the park. He started it. Uh It wasn't found in other amusement parks. You look at some of the older historical parks and you had like a midway 
Yes. And that was basically it. We still use or, the term midway yeah. for parks. Exactly. You know, or you just sort of went from place to place to place and it just sort of like it, it spidered out. But he developed this, you enter and then you have the hub in the center and then it's got the, the spokes that come out of the wheel. What's that all about? And then I started looking at the hub really clearly and going, well, okay, what other things, especially in various belief systems, remind me of this? The Native American medicine wheel. And then I started looking at the parts of that wheel as far as elements and directions, those correlations. Uh, okay, all right, let's see if this applies to what's found in the various lands in the park. Sure. Let's just see, I don't know. That's crazy talk, right? So then I started applying it. In the Native American medicine wheel, we go, first of all, we'll look at the entrance of Disneyland, which is in the South, mm -hmm. okay? The, the place of the South, direction-wise and energy-wise, is a place of home. It's a place of comfort. Uh-huh. Warm, protective feeling, right? And what are you entering through? Main Street. Exactly. Which that is, is based on Marceline, Missouri, which was his home. Yes. Thank you, Miss Sarah You're Malloy. welcome. She's, she's going to fill the gaps. This is You're good. Welcome. I like this. <laughs> yeah, just know a little bit. So let's go to the left and we go in the direction mm -hmm. of the west. Oh, I'm sorry. And also south is correlated with the energy, the element of fire, home, hearth, warmth. Mm -hmm. Then we go into the west and that's the element of water. Ah, yes. Also correlated with the West is a sense of death. Now let's look at the West side of the park. We've got Adventureland. We go through the Jungle Cruise mm -hmm. and the water, mm -hmm. the backside of water too. <laughs> That's right. 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 It's all there. Albert Falls. Then we yes. go into the, the mystery yes. of New Orleans Square. Mm -hmm. And all that's there. We've got the Pirates of the Caribbean and all the mysteries that surround the pirates. Yeah. And it's a water ride. Yep. And there are skeletons. Hello, Dad. Yep. And then New Orleans Square. So much death iconography throughout the whole. Through the whole thing. Yeah. It's complete. And then apart from got, the house with the 999 spirits. It's the haunted people. <laughs> right. The haunted people live in the house, the haunted mansion. Right. So you've got all of that in the direction of the West that correlates with death and with water. And I'm like, okay, okay, Walt, I'm interested <laughs> now. Let's see if this applies further in the North. So in the North, it's the element of earth and grounding. And what I saw that I'm like, okay, um, do I have to like sort of judge this a little bit? Eh, not so much. In the North, it's considered in Native American iconography, the direction of the journey, ah, okay. the direction of the quest. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, okay, all right. Because I'm like, you know, wish upon a star and Pinocchio. And, and then I started thinking Pinocchio follows oh. along the hero's journey. Sure. Which sure. correlates with the fool's journey in the tarot. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the place where there are the rides that are more of like a journey from point A to point Z, and you learn something or the protagonist learns something through that journey. It's all the storybook rides. 
Every single storybook ride is to yep. the north in fantasy land. Yeah. Yeah. And there they are. And so I'm like, okay, well, what about the east? What's in the east in Disneyland? Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland. Right. And east, air, energy, it also correlates with it's considered the morning star. It's mm. the place of the new, the place of the fresh, where we look forward to learning more, to beginning our day, to starting something fresh. And I mean, new. it's literally right there. There's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, Pam. Tomorrow, <laughs> shining at the end of every day. It really, that's when I was like, okay, I'm on to something. That's when um, I had told the publisher, all right, these are the ideas that I have. And he's like, okay, all right, run with it. That sounds really good. And then when the book did come to him, he was like, you've got spells and stuff in this book. <laughs> because what I did was I took what I found in the book. And then at the each at all the different journeys, all the information that I had gleaned. And then at the end of each chapter, I have a little section that says, make your own match. Make your own. Right. And that's when I know some practitioners who have taken the book with them to Disneyland and will follow the little make your own magic suggestions at the end of each chapter. That's Thus, so cool. bringing in some of the magic and letting some of their magic flow out too and creating that cycle. Talk about an energy exchange. Exactly. That's cool. So yeah, but it was, it was just fascinating when I started seeing all the correlations like I, I knew there was something there. Uh -huh. but, whoa, I did not expect all the different things that I found. So, right. That's yeah. fascinating to me. And when you guys talk about the hub, is it Main Street or what exactly are you referring to, which is the hub at the center? I think all Disney parks I in the world have so. a hub. I believe so. Yes. You're walking up. So you've, you've both you've been to Disney some sort of a Disney. She hasn't been since when I was 10. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> so I do so have you questions. Enter, you walk up through Main Street and then at the center kind of of the park is the hub and you'll see like a statue of Walt and Mickey okay. there and uh there it's kind of like they're greeting you before you go through the castle. Mm -hmm. So it's right in the center and then from that are like little roads that go off to the other lands. The the middle hub and then the spokes of a wheel come off sort of the choose your own adventure then where do you want to which way do you want to head yeah so let's go through some of the attractions then okay. and they're very mystical elements because that sounds fun where do you want to start it's there's there's so much i was retreading my book before <laughs> this podcast and i'm like whoa nelly we could spend i was gonna say you could spend a week mm -hmm. going through some of this stuff if we really wanted to. I mean, it could be its, its own series. Right. Because, I mean, I really did an in-depth here. So, for instance, the Tiki Room. The Tiki Room in the Tiki 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 Room. <laughs> in Adventureland. Uh, in Adventureland. So, at the original Enchanted Tiki Room in Disneyland, before you go in, you get a little pre-show. And it is the various gods that are greeting you. There are these, you know, really like first level animatronic. They're not really 
you know, in-depth animatronic, like you'll see at the Pirates of the Caribbean. They're not. Side note about that, those first level, that's exactly just so you know, that's like the perfect term for them because those were the first ones. The Tiki Room were the very first animatronics that that Walt came up came up with the birds weren't the birds the birds yes the birds were his the whole concept of the animatronic and it came from a bird statue that was a little robotic statue that he got it's literally those were the the originals the original concepts for the original yeah no but they're great they're fantastic anyway sorry that was my little side no little historical side note sorry you you go so before you enter the tiki room there's all these gods and they they tell like they have like a little poem that they say that introduces themselves to the people that are waiting to go into the tiki room. And right. it's it's absolutely charming. And you've got uh, various gods. Now, I didn't know much about Hawaiian culture or belief systems. I, sure. I knew nothing. Right. So I'm writing down the names of the gods, Maui. Mm-hmm. Oro, I'm going through these right now. Um, Rongo, Pele, Nagende, and there's probably some more. And I don't want to anger the tiki gods by leaving them out. So I'm sure, them sure. Tangaroa, Ru, Tangaroa, Hina Kalua, and they mm-hmm. all they have their little um, their little poem beforehand. It's a little pre-show. It's it's lovely. I am Tangaroa, father of all gods and goddesses. Here in this land of enchantment, I appear before you as a mighty tree. And then the the tree opens up. The tree and the opens. Yes. Come down. You know, it's it's so charming. So I'm going to look to see if they made up these god and goddess names because I honestly don't know. I don't know. They're all based on actual Hawaiian deities. Yes, they are. They all have particular stories to tell. For instance, Koro, I am Koro, midnight dancer. Today, my magic feet, no move, my head sore. But last night, all tiki gods have big time, etc. And then I went, I go into the lore for each one. The little entrances of all of the gods and goddesses before the enchanted tiki room, it's all based in actual lore, actual Hawaiian lore. That's so fantastic. So you've got this condensed bit of magic that's right there in the park while you're having your Dole Whip. Waiting to see the Enchanted Tiki Room show. Yeah. Right. And this is charming and this is wonderful. Wait, let me just take a moment here and go, wow, is it based on something? Yes, it is. You're surrounded by magic before you even see, uh, you know, Jose. Right. The pair. (laughs) Right, right. Not so much by accident there. Not so much by accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you asked me, you know, is it by, is it by design? Uh, was it intentional? Unintentional? <laughs> I'm finding a lot of intent, y'all. I'm right. <laughs> a lot of intent <laughs> yes. as I went through. Sure. What's another one? So if you were to move through Adventureland. Right. So in, so in the Jungle Cruise, I thought, well, you know, that's charming. And that's one of the day one rides at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And one of Walt's favorites. And so I thought, okay, what what is there besides, you know, the backside of water? And I've sure. learned about a couple really interesting things that are inside the ride. There is a sacred tree inside the Jungle Cruise ride. Uh, the Ficus Religiosa. The sacred fig resides in the Cambodian ruin segment of 
your journey. Sure. Legend says this is the same type of tree Buddha received enlightenment under. Mm. And it's in the ride. Also, there um, there's the lucky elephants on parade. So there is a wonderful statue of Ganesha, the Hindu, that is there as you're as you're traveling through the magical Schweitzer Falls. So waterfalls are connected with the Hindu goddess Shakti, who is known as the mother goddess, the embodiment of positive creative female energy. Shakti comes from the Sanskrit shak, which means to be able, imparting a gentle strength. Shakti brings protection, empowerment, and positive change. So when you're riding past those falls, you know, just give, a, give a little moment, give a little shout out to Shakti. In the Make Your Own Magic section of that ride, I also started thinking, well, there's all these different rivers that you go through in the Jungle Cruise that they mm -hmm. stay to this river, you go to that river. In India, the river Ganges is revered as holy. Why shouldn't the rivers of the Jungle Cruise be considered so? In northern India, in the city of Varanasi, a ceremony called Ganga Arti is performed in honor of the goddess Ganga. A candle is nestled in an arti, a small bowl made of grasses and flowers and floated down the river. Now, I'm not condoning that you actually do this in <laughs> the rivers, in, in the Jungle Cruise. Right. Probably have something to say that. about that. Right. So you can imagine so. So what before launching the RT, you make a wish. So that of course. Sure. Yeah, I just sure. thought I'd bring in a little bit of the make your own magic. Absolutely. Let's go if we're leaving Adventureland. Specific, I mean, there's some of the more obvious ones too. I mean, Haunted Mansion, we could probably talk about all day, all of the just iconography <clears throat> that's available yeah. there. Oh, be before, yeah, because we could spend seven days in the Haunted Mansion alone. Right. But there is a sweet little thing in Adventureland right as you enter Indiana Jones. There are some trees to the right. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to see. And you know that they had been doing some refurbs there recently. And I'm like, oh, please don't move that because um, <laughs> let's just say I think the gods will be angered. <laughs> so there is a tree. And at the base of the tree, if you look, there's like a little door. It belongs to the little man of Disneyland. And there was a children's book that was written back in the day. Mm -hmm. Because when they were, when they bought the orange groves and then tore them down, they made sort of a pact with the area that some things would remain the same. Mm -hmm. The people that own the area and some of the trees would remain I don't necessarily know if the tree that is there is one that has remained. Is an original, sure. But as a symbol of keeping some of that vegetation the same, Disney wrote a book. I don't know if Walt himself wrote this, but it mm -hmm. was called The Little Man of Disneyland. Mm -hmm. And at the base of this tree is a little door. And that is where Patrick Agora, this little leprechaun man, allegedly lives. Mm-hmm. It's just a lovely little Easter egg that if you know what to look for, you know that it's there, that essentially Patrick Bagora, like leprechauns, are considered to be a land spirit, to be a spirit that connects with the sacredness of a space. Mm -hmm. So in essence, 
they they tore down a lot of the orange groves they kept some trees remaining and this is a symbol of carrying that on through the little legend of patrick begora so next time you're at disneyland before you go into indiana jones look at that tree on the right it's like in that planter area before you get to the tree house mm -hmm. the little door is there for the little man of disneyland so when we move out of, let's go straight to the most obvious, maybe for our listeners, the biggest, biggest, biggest slap of paranormal, yes. you know, existence. It's the biggest paranormal, it's a paranormal slap, slap in, in the face. It's exactly, Leota, go. Uh, yeah, let's talk Haunted <laughs> Mansion because that's, and that's one of the, I mean, as like Stephanie just said, that's the one ride she remembers Yeah, from when she was 10. Oh, so yeah. it makes an impact. One of those things, you don't have to be a Disney person to love the Haunted Mansion. It's like everyone's favorite ride. Let's dive into that a little bit. Okay. So the Haunted Mansion is replete with all the mystical imagery you could possibly have and all the mystical lore. So you've got, um, at one point in the ride, you have a clock. And the arms go up to, rather than going up to 12, they go up to 13. Sure. So we've got the number 13. And I was like, okay, what are maybe some of the references that are found in the ride that connect to other things at Disney? Just out of curiosity, I don't think that Walt felt it was an unlucky number. Mm -hmm. I think that he felt it was a mystical number, which is interesting because it is considered mystical and positive mm -hmm. in a lot of different cultures. Right. So when you're in there and you see the clock with the 13, there's that. Also, in the seance room with Madame mm -hmm. Leota, there is a book that's there that is called the Necronomicon Book of the Dead, mm -hmm. open to pages 1312 and 1313. Is that right? It is. Of course. Yeah, it of is. Of course it is. It is. And also, uh, the what's the address of Disneyland, Sarah? Don't put me on the spot. No. I was say Sarah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the address of Disneyland is 1313, is 1313 Harbor wow. Drive. I think I realized it was. I knew Harbor, Harbor Boulevard, but I didn't know it was the 1313. But I didn't know until I started looking this wow. stuff up. Wow. Um, it's wild. Of course, you've got you've got spiritualism running rampant in the haunted mansion at land as well mm -hmm. as at world because of Madame mm -hmm. Leota. So spiritualism, table tapping was very popular at the end of the 19th century, made popular by the Fox sisters who ended up not being really the real deal but there were a lot of spiritualists who were mm -hmm. and that of course is communicating with those on the other side mm -hmm. a lot of what you see in the seance room connects with the history and the lore regarding spiritualism including there would be some seances where the ectoplasm would show up. You can see that kind of floating in the yep. ether in the seance room. You can see the little, the tambourine and the horn. And those were elements that were used at the, the peak of spiritualism. Um, and those, those elements would be seen sometimes floating in the air. Sure. A, a trumpet would honk out of nowhere. They would have a drum somewhere and it would start beating. I mean, he he totally pulled upon those elements and images and he put them right there. Mm -hmm. The hitchhiking ghosts. 
Hitchhiking ghosts are found in every country. Everywhere. Stories of hitchhiking ghosts everywhere. We've got one here uh, in Chicago. Say, it, you mean it's <laughs> not here, just Resurrection I, Mary. And I encountered her. I I was with somebody and she saw it. I knew it was going to happen. Resurrection Mary yeah. in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are hitchhiking ghost stories everywhere. So, of course, there's also one in the Haunted Mansion because Walt knew these things. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if they still have it, but in the fast pass dispensing area outside the Haunted Mansion. At land? At land. Okay. Was a beautiful ode to the culture of mourning at the turn of the 19th into the 20th centuries. There are beautiful statues that are there up on like pedestals Mm -hmm. that depict a a woman in mourning. Just these beautiful sculptures that you'll see in old cemeteries. I mean, you could even say that the house itself is a tribute to that. I mean, the house itself is a Victorian mansion. Yeah. That's the, that's the right time period. So in the statuary, in that old fast pass area, if they're still there, but I hope they at least kept the statuary. um, You'll see these beautiful urns Mm -hmm. with depicting women that are veiled in a uh, position of mourning and it's there and it just, it blew me away. Um, That was one of those things that I was not expecting. And I was like, just walking around as much of the perimeter as you can, of the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland. I was walking around the areas and I saw that. I'm like, okay, is there some sort of a reference here to something? Yes, there is. But I think we're interested in some of the hauntings. Yeah, I'm (laughs) looking into it right now. So chapter 11 is all about the haunts. I mean, ghosts, Haunted Mm -hmm. Mansion, pirates, small worlds, the Grotto, the Matterhorn, Tom Sawyer Island. So, I mean, you mentioned the spreading of ashes, which I understand is now highly Oh, illegal. yeah, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, always mm-hmm. has been, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but also the ghosts of people who have died on rides and ghosts behind the scenes at, what'd you say, in, is it New Orleans or no, at Pirates. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, can we get into some of the paranormal elements of they're, Disney? They're really, they're kind of peppered all around the place. It's it's really kind of stunning. So again, I'm clairsentient, so I'll pick up on things. So we were at the Blue Bayou, the best restaurant in Disneyland, mm-hmm. dare I say. Now tell everybody where the Blue Bayou oh, is sure. to give some for those yeah, who don't know. It is in New Orleans Square. It's the, the fancy sit-down restaurant in New Orleans Square. And they serve alcohol okay. there now. But when this happened, mm-hmm. I, it was before they served alcohol. So you can't blame that on what I was experiencing. (laughs) So we go in and um, I had that app on my phone, the ghost radar. Wiki apps you can get. I had the pro version. Uh Just for funsies. And we're we're in, our our husband and I both love the Blue Bayou. And it's like, well, I don't necessarily want to be working while I'm eating, but I thought, you know what? What about if I just put the radar on and just put it on my lap? So we're having our meal and it's like 15 minutes in or so. And I'm like, I really have to look at this. I have to see. (laughs) And there were two words that had popped up. Now, remember, we consider Disneyland our home away from home. We love it so much. And there were two words that had popped up on it. I like get emotional when I talk about this. The two words that popped up on the phone were welcome home. 
No. Mm. Yeah. And so then I thought to myself, why don't I ask the server if they've had any instances of sightings, spirits, anything here? He relayed the story that there had been some sightings on occasion of a man in black in the corner sitting at one of the tables. And uh, also, for people that might not know, the blue bayou looks like you're outdoors near, near the water and it's dark and there's like a... And the boats are going boats by for pirates. pirates are going mm -hmm. by. It's very atmospheric. So mm -hmm. they saw somebody like in a corner wearing black and they thought, oh, well, maybe that person is just sitting in shadow, whatever. But the word is that's wait person went over and said, uh, hello, sir, can I can I take your order? And uh, the man in black disappeared, just disappeared. And it would make sense. I mean, just talking about the energy, as you've said, obviously, Disneyland has a very specific kind of energy. And it would make sense that energies would be present, yeah. right? It would, I mean, it's a magnet. It's a magnet. It's a magnet. Let's talk about one of the big ones that even I know about, though, is the apartment over the fire station. Mm. I love this. You've got this on page 145 of your book that you visited the apartment on your 50th birthday. Indeed. And it's filled with antiques. There's rumors of, of quite a few ghostly encounters. The most popular story I've heard, a cast member, after doing her cleaning duties, was leaving the apartment and turned off the lights. Once outside, she noticed they were still on. Assuming she accidentally left a few on, she lugged herself back up to the apartment to turn them off. And upon re-entering the space, she heard a disembodied voice say, don't forget that I am still here. I totally uh, believe that. And, ah, uh, Yeah. So one of the times that, because we try to go to Disneyland every like year and a half to two years at the, at the very least. And there was a period where I was mourning the loss of my dad. And then also around that same time, considering writing this book. And mm -hmm. um, so I was going through a lot of high emotions and I'm in Disneyland, the land of high emotions the end of a day you know you you're leaving and you're probably crying because you don't want to go but mm. um again clairsentient and also i'm also a little clairaudient and walking past the uh firehouse and looking up just saying thank you Walt," and saying please guide me with this book in some way can you do that i would really appreciate that and and i heard pretty clearly you're doing all right youngster didn't yeah. youngster and i thought who uses the word youngster well first of all to refer to a lady in her 50s but but that's definitely something that somebody would use maybe you know during mid-century 20th century and it felt very fatherly and it was a male voice so take that as you will you never told me that uh, wild stuff well oh my gosh what a, i mean honest to god it's the this is absolutely something that we could talk about for a week i mean there's so much here there's so much in the book and you really should pick up the book to check it out there is so much i mean everything i didn't know because i don't know any of it but it's amazing and there's pictures the connections to the mysticism and the history and then true life accounts of what has happened there it's very very cool thank you 
Yeah, I, I am very um, happy with the way that it turned out. And I'm glad also that I was able to add in some of my own little life experiences and life stories, like yeah. when I took my dad there and and um, and he was older and ailing, but he still really connected with things there so much. He was also an empath. It's one of those labor of love books, projects that... Um, I'm really thrilled has uh, connected with a lot of people, especially seekers of magic that have taken the book to the park. And they're like, I've never seen the park through these kind of eyes before, through this lens. And so when I hear people uh, connecting with the book that way, it's it's really special. That's fantastic. <laughs> Where can people find the book? Sure. Um, it's on Amazon. The Mystical Mouse. Um, it's also through Theme Park Press, and you can uh, find the book through there. Um, you can also find my first book, The Cotton Candy Road Trip, through there as well, and on Amazon. Perfect. Come out there. And where can we find you? You can find me at the, not the, it's not the anymore, midcenturymystic.com. Yes. So Instagram, The Midcentury Mystic, Facebook, the Mid-Century Mystic, but her new website to really check things out is midcenturymystic.com. And what kinds of fun things do you offer, Miss Pam Turlin? Oh, I offer the tarot. I offer astrology. Um, it can do your natal chart as well as progressions and also uh, practical witch work. Um, and that's really on a case-by-case -case basis um, if you're looking for you know, a, a little potion or a little spell. Um, I can help you with that. And I also do space clearing. Thank you so much. This is, this is what an, in, a fun adventure we got to go on here today. Yes. This is making me want to go visit. Yes. Yes, exactly. We're just gonna, we want to go to there. <laughs> we want that to happen. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. You are so welcome. Thanks for listening to Multidimensional Mom today. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram. We will post some fun pictures of the book and some other things. Remember, you can text an episode, even this episode, to your friends. Add the podcast. Subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. And we'd love your ratings and reviews, the good ones only. <laughs> we appreciate all of your support. We'll see you next time. Take care.